everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck. Today, it's a social spotlight edition of the podcast with Brett Griffin, a.k.a. Spotter Brett from Twitter. He is the spotter for Clint Boyer and Elliot Sadler, also Elliot Sadler's business manager. And he is also the co-host of the very entertaining Door Bumper Clear podcast on Dirty Mo Radio, something I listen to often. Uh, he and TJ Majors are always dropping some insight and offering some honest opinions about what's going on in the sport. That's typical of Brett, who is honest, apparently, with everything he does, including social media. If you follow him on Twitter, you know you get some very blunt takes, and I was hoping for the same in this week's Social Spotlight. All right, everybody, I'm here with Brett Griffin, a.k.a. Spotter Brett, and um, we're here at Daytona International Speedway. Brett, how are you? I'm good. We're in Elliot Sadler's bus, and uh, I guess Elliot's not here right now, so Brett just snuck in. He's at the Outback eating lunch, and he did not invite me. <laughs> Will he be surprised, or do you do this often that you sneak in? No, I sneak in all the time. I know the code, so I just come in and get whatever I want. Okay. So um, you also seem to know the code to uh, to Twitter because you have, you've built a large following over the years, and... Um, what, what do you think, why, why have you become such a personality on there? What is sort of the secret to you, uh, developing a following? I mean, obviously our attraction as spotters is the drivers that we work for. First of all, otherwise people aren't going to know, you know, ultimately who we are. But I think probably the thing, things that people are attracted to the most about me is I'm very unfiltered in my candidness back to, you know, people when I reply or even my initial tweets. I mean, I'm a pretty opinionated guy. Anybody who knows me, you know, Elliot and Clint probably know me the best of anybody in the sport. They know I'm a shit talker. So in my Twitter game, I'm also a shit talker. I mean, it's I stay in character pretty much on there most of the time. I kind of play the whole spotter game. I don't really go into a lot of my personal life. I do that more on my Facebook stuff. But, uh, man, Twitter is a lot of fun there. I've always looked at it as fans have the opportunity to get insight into high-profile people's lives. And, and by no means am I a high-profile person, but I have a lot of insight into these other high-profile worlds that exist. So got a lot of friends in country music, you know, got a lot of friends that I've met through in football, college football, and obviously a lot of friends in NASCAR. So I, I always look at, at it as, you know, fans – it's it's a it's a right to get on Twitter, but it's a privilege to get to follow somebody because they had any moment in time can say, you're going away. Um, so I've always looked at it as, you know, I have to earn the right for you to follow me. When you click follow, it's because something made you interested in what I'm doing. But for you to stay here, obviously, I've got to earn that right to, to keep you, if, if you will. So you touched on a few things there, um, opinions, followers. Let's, let's start with the opinions. Um, you obviously, like you said, you're unfiltered. Now... Um, a lot of people would like to say some of the things you say, whether, uh, you know, it's about their political views or, or their opinions on drivers or opinions on whatever happened. And for whatever reason, they are they don't or they're afraid of the blowback. You certainly, I'm sure, have gotten pushback over the years, um, but yet you keep doing it. So you must have a way to navigate it. What is your secret to being able to say what you want and not, uh, I guess, essentially get in trouble for it? I mean, again, it's my personality that is just coming to life on Twitter. And, and I, you know, I spot the same way that I talk. So a lot of people go into character to become a spotter. They go into character when they do their tweets. I mean, when you hear me on the radio, that's me. When you see what I'm tweeting, that's me. So I'm not going to hide, you know, who I am. I guess the funniest stories are 
when you know, what amazes me about Twitter is people think they can attack people with a lot of followers and those people are afraid to say anything back to them because they're afraid they'll get in trouble in our situation it would be with your boss which would be a head of marketing or a head of competition or a manufacturer that got upset or a sponsor that got upset and and I never try to cross those lines by any means but at the same time if you come at me I'm going to come back at you I mean that's just that's my personality so just because you only have four followers doesn't mean the fact that I have 30,000 followers or whatever that number is that I can't say what I think back to you and that's the thing I never personally attack anybody if I call somebody a dumbass or something it's very candidly it's not speaking literally but it's funny to get some of the personal attacks back and I laugh and when I enjoy blocking people but I enjoy more when they block me because that tells me I really got under their skin so how, how is the balance there like um, do you typically uh, engage with somebody first before um, bringing out the block? Do you just be like, no, I'm done with you, block? Uh, you know, what's, how do you deal with sort of haters, I guess? You know, yesterday there was a tweet that was sent to a media person here, Chris Knight, uh, and it was what I thought was a very inappropriate tweet. And Chris Knight actually retweeted that person, and he had a, a comment that he made to that person. Uh, I didn't even look at that person's profile without blocking. I clicked on them, click block, because if that kind of person who is going to personally attack people, when they choose or if they choose to engage me, they're going to do the same to me. So, again, I'm open for anything. I'll debate anything with you. I'm going to play with you to an extent, but when you start personally attacking and the name calling and all that, man, I'm out. So that's really the only thing that gets you the block button is being completely ignorant. Yeah, I saw that same tweet, and uh, I thought that that's the kind of thing that really crosses the line because it was, it was somebody talking about weight. And, you know, you can debate, argue, political stuff, I mean, driver stuff, NASCAR opinions, whatever, but when you cross a line and, and really get personal with somebody like that, that just seems that's, that's really the, the dark side of social media, I guess. You see, I'm short and I'm chubby, and I have gap between my teeth, and I have a ball spot. So I can openly admit all that and laugh at it. So if you do that to me, I personally don't care. But nonetheless, when you personally attack people that I'm friends with on Twitter, I'm going to block you. If you personally try to insult me, I'm going to laugh at you and then block you. And then if you block me back, then I really laugh at you. That's the best part about it. In my view, I, I kind of need these followers because if I don't have the followers, I you know at least historically, I, I needed them to click on my articles when I was working for USA Today. Right. If they don't click, then, you know, nobody's going to read my stuff. So I think, you know, I, I somehow sometimes wanted to block people that I feel like, ah, you know, I probably can't because I kind of need those people and it was hard to ignore. In your view, like, do you need people to follow you for your position or is it, like you said, a privilege for them to follow you? In a very indirect manner, you need your Twitter followers to monetize your place in this sport. You know, I actually quit Twitter one time a long time ago. I was in it for a year or so, built up a lot of followers and quit because I was like, this is taking up entirely too much of my time. And there's no real way for me to monetize this. And not that I try to monetize it the second go around, but I've had a podcast that came from this. Uh, we've had a series that we've launched called Spotter Life that we do with some of the Xfinity races around one main. They came to me and said, hey, we want you to do this. I've been able to do a lot of interviews just like we're doing here today because of it. So by no means is it making me rich. I mean, it's uh, it's barely enough money to buy me a six pack of beer every week. But nonetheless, there is some value in it for, for people and for sponsors. And clearly that's something that's came about in the last 18 months, but it's never why I got into it. Um, for me, man, it's just always been about fun and engagement. I enjoy perspective. And I'll say, you know, the majority of people that reply to me now agree with what I say, which I think is funny because I know they really, there are a lot of people out there that don't, but those people that don't are afraid I'm going to retweet and say something smart ass to them and hurt their feelings. So it was a lot more fun early. Now they're being a lot more, I don't know, they're being wimps or something, man. I need them to come back out of their shells a little bit. 
So uh, you obviously like to have fun with it. Um, now, I remember back in, I think, maybe like the MWR days, you even, uh, I don't know if, if you referred to it on the podcast or you referred to it on Twitter, but some people would actually try to like go around you, go to your bosses and get you in trouble. Did anybody ever say that, anything to you? Like, hey, man, you've got you've to gotta back it down where you're, you're like, oh, okay, I've got to watch this. So Joey Meyer and I both, he spots for Brad Keselowski. We've both been in situations where people emailed, of course, anonymously for the most part, um, our bosses and said, hey, you need to fire your spotter or, hey, you need to get rid of bread or whatever. I actually think that's kind of funny because I get paid to spot. You know, I don't get paid for what I say or don't say on Twitter. You know, people get their feelings hurt. Just just goes back to how sensitive this whole thing is. There was one really funny thing that happened there was an incident where a police officer lost his life and i stood behind this guy behind this police officer 100 percent. and this person took my tweet as i don't know if they were drunk or high or what they were doing when they read this tweet but nonetheless they took this tweet as i was saying more people need to be against our our cops and against our police well anybody who follows me and knows me i'm pro-military pro-police period so they send this long email and basically say you need to fire your spotter he's anti-cop and it just goes back to what I said all along. I mean, so when I get the phone call from Ty Norris, who is laughing about it, he's like, Brad, I have to address this with you because it got sent to us. And I was like, Ty, this person's an idiot. Like, you see what I said? And he's like, yeah, I just have to come to you with this. I guess from an HR, an HR perspective, you know, when I got to Stuart Haas Racing, I don't know if I can say this or not, but I'll say it anyway, we had to sign a social media policy that basically says I want to act like an idiot. Well, I don't think I'm acting like an idiot. I think I'm acting like me. You know, I make it on the line of the idiot, but I think I know where it's at, and I usually try to stop there. So, um, I don't know. This might be stretching the limits of exactly what social media is, but you obviously have a podcast um, that's very good. If, if I don't know if, if people aren't listening to it, I, you're definitely missing out because you guys drop all sorts of nuggets about the sport. I don't even know if you realize sometimes the information because I think it's just facts to you. And then you say something on your podcast, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, do you guys uh, know the information, like, when you drop these little nuggets about what that, that uh, I guess it's not public? Do you Are you, like, conscious of that? You know, I, I don't think we are. I mean, I think we're literally two guys that are 52 weeks a year entrenched into this sport, and we're just talking about a sport that we love. Obviously, you know, nobody in this sport is professionally – closer to Dale Jr. than TJ Majors is and nobody is closer to Elliot Sadler than I am and obviously I'm extremely close with Clint Boyer too so we have a lot of circles that that we get a lot of information from you know some of them are news related some of them are gossip related some of them are just facts about things that have gone on in the tech line that, that nobody's really talking about so we're just in there BSing for 45 minutes to an hour and I think things just come from that. I mean, you know, half the time it's early Monday morning, and we've gotten in. I mean, this past week I went to bed at 4 a.m., and here we go doing this podcast at 9 a.m., and I was so sleep-deprived. I didn't even know what we talked about until I went back and listened to the podcast. And it's always funny to me. You leave, and you're like, man, I don't know if that was a good podcast because I don't really know what we talked about. And then you'll go back and listen and start getting tweets from people with feedback, and it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you guys said this or you did this. And I mean, last week I made fun of uh, Kyle Larson, Ricky Stenhouse being best friends, and they wrecked Danica, who was Ricky's girlfriend, and I was like, Kyle used his whip to wreck Ricky's bay. And people were like, you're 42 years old, and you're saying all these young terms. I feel so old. So, I mean, it's – man, we just have fun with it. So do you ever get any pushback in that department? Like, do you get the sense that people in the industry listen to the podcast and are like, 
dude, like you said this about Larson. You, you, you guys said that he races like a rookie or whatever at Sonoma. Like, do you, do you ever get that kind of uh, feedback? Justin Algar actually came up to me at Talladega and uh, he said, man, I was listening to your podcast and I was in my garage and I got mad because you said that I forgot how to drive the first half of the year. And, uh, and I said, Justin, you kind of did. You were, uh, you were wrecking a lot. Well, they weren't my fault, he said. I said, you're still wrecking. You're 30th in points. Well, I started slinging shit around, and my wife comes out. and like, what's wrong with you? He's like, Brett just made me mad. He's talking junk about me on the podcast. And, and, I, and again, I, I'm a very mildly candid person, so at no point am I trying to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, I mean, I grew up in a really small town where there were two things that were important, sports and winning at sports. And, and, and we were taught at young ages, like, if you get in a pile in the football field in sixth grade, you reach over and you pinch that guy's leg as hard as you can pinch it or you spit in his face or you, you try to get in his head. So, like, I just came up in this culture of say what you think. People don't like what you think. They won't like you. It is what it is. So, um, that's one. I mean, Kentucky Speedway, I've got a friend there that has given me some information about new elevators and those kind of things. And she kind of freaks out when we put that intel out there in public. But, again, it's not things that we're like, whoa, let's fry this person this week. Or It's just we're just giving you guys inside perspective. And, I mean, we watch these race cars go around 40 weeks a year. So, we, we have a different perspective than probably guys that are, you know, in, in your side of the sport, you know, they're in the media center and in the garage and doing interviews. I mean, you, your thing is intel. My thing is what do I see? It's just a different perspective. So, um, sometimes, you know, we've, we've talked about clearly you're unafraid to go at people back and forth. You've even gone at Dale Jr. a couple times on Twitter this year. Uh, it seems like nobody really goes at Dale Jr., uh, but you've you've expressed opinions. You, I think you said his podcast wasn't as interesting as yours at one point. And then he like fired back. I can't remember if this is this if this is what it related to. But he even still makes comments like, "Oh yeah, Brett Brett will just say whatever on on Twitter and get excited." Um, any did any behind the scenes feedback on that? You know, I've known Dell Jr. since 1999. Uh, I was down here, and I was actually sitting on Elliott Sadler's bus, ironically, and Dell Jr. walked in. He was a full-time Bush Series driver back then and obviously doing a phenomenal job making his name in the sport. And he comes in, and he's dressed all goofy, and he's like, you guys want to go to the Y and shoot basketball? And I'm looking at this guy thinking, there is no way this guy who looks like he just walked out of the movie Powder will be able to go shoot basketball at the Y. Um, so, I mean, that's the first time I met him. Again, a very long time ago. The best vacation I've ever been on in my life. He brought me to Daytona Beach in 2001 in July. We stayed at a house, nine of us, for ten days. We had an absolute blast. So, once again, Del Jr. knows me. He knows how I am. I mean, that's why they came to me about this podcast, was the personality I am on Twitter, the personality I am in real life. So, when we go back and forth at it, you know, sure, we mean what we're saying, but we also mean it in a very jokingly manner. Nobody's going to get mad. I mean, last week, I guess they played something on Radioactive, which I don't listen to, by the way, during the week. But I guess they played something on Radioactive where I said, you should have wrecked a motherfucker. And Del Jr. tweeted that last week when we were in Sonoma going, oh, Brett gets all mad on the radio and just tells Elliot to wreck everybody. And uh, so I tweeted back, you know, dick moved by my boss or whatever I said. So, I mean, again, that's all in good fun, man. Certainly not being buttholes with one another. But, again, insight that fans aren't going to necessarily get to see if we aren't going back and forth. This public display of Twitter is phenomenal. If you're a sports fan and you're not on Twitter, you're an idiot. Yeah, it is pretty crazy how, especially in the NASCAR world, you know, we, we always hear like, I think something like only 25% of people, adults, use Twitter. But in NASCAR, you feel like it's less. Like 
I really feel like it's single digit because, I mean, let's, you know, our, our fan is an older fan. And, you know, I'm very fortunate. My mom is in her 70s, and she absolutely loves Twitter, loves Facebook. But it's probably mainly because of me and my job. So I definitely feel like our, our demographic isn't on Twitter. And I don't know what we can do to gravitate them this way. But here's what tells me that. When I look at wrestlers that I've never heard of, and they have more followers than Dell Jr., I know that our fans aren't on Twitter like they are on other social, uh, other social platforms. So if you're listening, get on Twitter. So you mentioned Facebook. Um, are, is is your Facebook account you know private for your family and friends? It is. If if you're uh, my Facebook is totally private. I have to accept you to come on. It's more about my personal life than it is my job. And, and one thing that I learned from uh, Sean Hill, who was a quarterback in the NFL for a long time, played for the Detroit Lions. He and I were at Lake of the Ozarks together. And he told me very on in life, "Hey man, don't let your job define who you are. Because when your job goes away." you'll be heartbroken. You won't know how to come back from that and how to manage all the personal aspects of it. So I've really taken that advice to heart from a guy who was a professional athlete because he told me horror stories about NFL guys that worked their entire life in the league, and then when the league went away after 8 to 10 years, they literally didn't know what to do. And so I've always tried to keep it you know, somewhat separate. That's why I don't listen to a lot of the things that go on during the week in the motorsports news because I've already lived this life. If I'm not hearing about it during the, the three days that I'm here and I'm not seeing about it and I'm not learning, from it or it's not on Twitter that I'm not meant to, to do it. I, I, I don't, you know, I think the magazine show, I think we are oversaturated with some of the news things that we do. I mean, when I grew up, all we had was Benny Parsons on Monday night to listen to, to kind of get our recap. And then John Kernan on RPM tonight, you know, and, and now we have all these different outlets to which fans can consume our media, which is great in the sense of if you want it, it's out there. But for me, I just choose to kind of live in this little world from Thursday night till Sunday night and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, try to worry about other stuff. Um, and are you on any other forms of social media where people can follow you aside from Twitter? Like, do you have a public Instagram? Um, do you do any Snapchat stuff? I lost my Instagram password. I don't know how to get that back. Snapchat, I still hadn't figured out. Uh, I do it a little bit. Um, Sometimes I'll do funny stuff, and I don't even know who gets it. I don't know if everybody gets it or if one person gets it. I need somebody to come give me a really good tutoring session on Snapchat, but it's cool. So Twitter is the main way to follow him. He is at Spotter Brett. Brett, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I've uh, been a big fan of yours. We talk about Jeff Gluck all the time on our podcast, so anytime we get to sit down and chat, man, it's great. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, everybody. So there you have it. Definitely could have talked to Brett for a lot longer than that. Um, it seemed to go by very fast, but – typically don't like to keep people especially on a race weekend when they've got other jobs to do so appreciate brett taking the time to do that i do want to give some podcast shout outs today these are for some of my patrons this is for the ten dollar or more a month level for the patrons um on my site patreon.com slash jeff underscore gluck uh first of all michael eubanks who i met in portland one of my my new Portland friends who I watched the race with a couple weeks ago, the Michigan race at a sports bar. Then there's Mike South, who infamously made the JeffGluck.com hats that were sent to Dale Jr. and then auctioned off um, for charity, which raised uh, $1,300. Pretty impressive. So thanks to Mike for that. I just ran into him in Utah when I was there for the Toyota event. And then Brett McMillan from PRN. Appreciate Brett and his support. Very nice of him to 
want to help me get to the races, and I very much appreciate that. Working on a podcast for the post-Kentucky race Saturday night. Won't be there, so I'm trying to set up something from afar. I don't want to jinx anything yet, but I could have a fun guest. So hoping that all comes together. Going to work on that later today and tomorrow to make sure that it all gets set up and goes smoothly. So stay tuned for that. Until then, thanks for listening and talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.